It's so good to be here back home with you at LCM. Uh, We were gone for 14 days. Felt like to me we were gone for about 45 days, but we were actually only gone out of the country for for 14 days. We traveled approximately 19,000 miles and 40 hours in the air. We drove over 1,500 miles on the ground all over southern India. We conducted 13 services, visited more than 20 homes individually, ministered to over 900 people while we were there. What we were able to see in India was nothing short of miraculous, encouraging, life-defining, and heart-touching. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. One of the things that we have learned as a church that we get to put into practice all the time is that the word, if we make the word of God and the spirit of God the superstar of everywhere we go, I promise you that this works in every part of the globe with every individual that you will ever need to meet. Having the word of God central in everything you do cannot be understated. It cannot be underscored enough to let you know that this is important. First Peter chapter five and verse 10. Say there when you're there. there. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. Come on now. After you suffered for a little while. I don't know what a little while is. A little while is usually longer than what we want it. But after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This scripture has been going on and on in my heart in the last couple of weeks. While we were in India... I would read this just to myself to be encouraged from the Lord. While we were gone, you guys heard from some mighty men who were helping you to be strong, firm, and steadfast. Pastor Matthew, slap you with the Torah, Piro. Encouraged you to fix your eyes. Come on, everybody say, fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. Boy, isn't that a needed message for us that we are supposed to fix our eyes upon Jesus? You heard from Judah, the hammer, Stevens, and Justin busting down the gates of hell, Linton. That he wants you to win. Come on, somebody say, he wants me to win. win. Then you were emboldened by Abimbola, Holy Ghost, Steamroller, Deramola, and Justin to knock you upside the head, Treaster, that you have reasons for confidence. Come on, somebody say, I have a reason to be confident. Finally, on Wednesday evening, you heard from your very own Nick, the burning brick, Erigina. I had to do something, dude. I didn't have one for you. (laughs) Building a house that is on fire. And Peyton Holy Ghost Arson Parson. (laughs) We'll just edit this out later. It's okay. We heard from these mighty men of God that we are designed to be radiant. That God's glory is supposed to be seen upon us. And these are just your times here in the building. It doesn't even include the times of having people filled in the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit of God on a Friday evening at a discipleship helps class. Or what some of our young men were learning in our Holy Spirit filled singles class. Or our home meetings. Or the immense amount of prayer that this church has been engaging in. Man, what a special time we're in. You fought and are fighting through sicknesses, miscarriages, loss of jobs, hospital stays, and even defections from the kingdom. These topics that I've listed sound like it is our year-end review. It's just the last two weeks here at LCM. (laughs) 
that's just April. Can I say it again? It is so good to be back home with you. Today you're going to hear from, from the men who ministered on the India trip. These men and I were incredibly touched and moved by your prayers. Our travels were long. Our days were often extremely hot. Our car rides were hair-raising in more ways than we can explain to you here. And your prayers were absolutely vital to us each and every day. We saw demons manifest and be cast out in our midst. We saw the sick healed. In almost every service that we were in, these men who were behind you, they laid hands on people and you watched people with, with injured legs recover immediately. You saw people who couldn't breathe and were having pain in every part of their body. These men laid hands on them and they immediately got better and began walking and leaping and praising God. That has happened because of your prayers and because of his goodness. You are an integral part in each of these things. Our fruit is your fruit. There is no delineation for us here. We were, we were allowed to go and represent you and this body a long, long way away. But the kingdom has advanced and will continue to do so here at LCM. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Let's start in verse 4. Is everybody there with me? Hey, we're a family. We don't want to leave anybody behind today. Is everybody there with me? Amen. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before the throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And listen to this phrase. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests. Amen. What has he made us to be? Kingdom priests. Come on now. Everybody's with me now. Let's read verse 6 again. It's on the screen in case you're not looking in your own word. Having your own sword. And he has made us to be what? A kingdom and priests. Kingdom and priests. To serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. The Lord has made us to be kingdom and priests. We get to represent him. We are marked with his blood. We are empowered by his spirit. The same DNA that resides within the Christ resides within us today. My goodness. This is what the church of the living God is. It is what he has made us past tense. And we also know that he's making us present tense. Amen. He gives us reasons to be confident today that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it, that it will be him. In fact, that fulfills his own purposes in us. What you're going to hear from right now are are these, these six men that are behind me. They're going to share with you. I asked them, I said, what pastor Matt and I asked them to do is share something with the people. Share something with your family here about what happened to you on the trip and what the Lord spoke to you about. Our design today and our desire is not to come to you with eloquent words, with words of wisdom. But what we want to do is come to you with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit of God here in this place. You are our family. We are so glad to be back home. But I feel like what the Lord is doing is is trying to encourage us and continue to charge us to move forward. That the words that were given today, there's only so long to be able to till up the soil and it's time to plant and start to reap a harvest in this place. 
Pastor, we, we've seen a harvest before. Yes, and we're in a new season, my friends. We're in a season where His Spirit is moving. And I've been, I heard every sermon that was preached here. I listened to them all. Some while we were in India and some when I've been back. I heard the Lord encouraging you, spurring you on, motivating you to greatness. Well, today, we're going to continue in that same vein. Amen? Amen. I turn it over now to, to JJ, who's going to come forward and start to share just a little bit with you. Hallelujah. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And as you're turning there, let me send greetings from LCM India. Love and Care Ministries. Uh, they send their greetings, uh, Pastor Ann and Pastor Raja. And they send their thanks as well. And uh, Pastor Ann made sure to tell me this two or three times while we were there within the first couple of days. So when I hear a man of God telling me something two or three times, I think I should probably take it to heart. Uh, but it was more for, for your benefit. As we looked outside uh, of the church, we got to the church, and uh, it's, it's a brand new building. Some of you have seen it, some of you haven't. It's been five years since I've, I've, uh, I went last. I got to go back. The last time I was there, you'll see a picture on the wall uh, with Pastor Eric preaching, looking out to the congregation. That was the church. It was a thatched roof. It was wooden poles, concrete floor, but that was the church. And you'll see pictures for those of you, for everyone that goes to Fuerte Drive tonight to fellowship, because everyone wants to fellowship tonight. You'll see more pictures and testimonies of that. But Pastor Anna made sure to tell me uh, how thankful he was for our church that put the roof on their church, uh, made out of concrete. And at first I was like, you're welcome, thank you. He was like, no, no, brother, your, your church put the roof on this church. And... and to be able to walk up and see the faithfulness of God's people over the years to build a building to house a people that not only love the Lord and God pours out His Spirit freely upon, but also to make it a place of refuge when the floods came. It was the only place that was standing, the only place that was dry when the floodwaters came in. So I want to commend this church for their faithfulness in giving and supporting LCM India halfway across the world. Amen. Is everyone in 1 Corinthians 12? There. Okay. They don't say they're in India, so I'm, I want to get used to that. <laughs> Starting in verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. We see two different words. We see the word different, and we see the same three times. Different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them. And that's what we experienced in India. As we show up to the church that's literally halfway across the world. I used to have an app on my phone where, you'd, where you're at, it would show you what's halfway across the world. It's the Indian Ocean. So literally halfway across the world is India. And there's so many differences. There's, there's a difference of culture. Driving on, the, on a different side of the road. Not the wrong side, but a different side of the road. <laughs> Uh, the smells are different. Uh, like I said, the location is different. The food is different. There's gravy with everything. And it's <laughs> glorious. And there's garlic in everything. And it's glorious. The language is different. Uh, there's only two words that I recognize. Hallelujah, which is universal. Uh, and Yesu, which means Jesus. Everything else in Tamil, unrecognizable. But when someone starts praying in the Holy Spirit, you know it. 
Because yeah. the spirit that's inside of you testifies with the spirit of that person. Yeah. And as we walked into that church, as we walked into the building, as we sat up front, and men and women began to glorify the Lord and worship Him and pray in the spirit, that same spirit that rests in this building not even 15 minutes ago is the same spirit that's in that building in India. See, there's one spirit. There might be different kinds of gifts, but there's the same spirit. There might be different kinds of people halfway across the world, but there's one spirit. There is one same spirit that resides in each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To each one, to each one of these men up here, the manifestation of the spirit was given for the common good. For the good of the church there in India, and for the good of the church of the pastors and the congregations all around that region, but also for each and every one here. The manifestations of the Spirit are not for us to enjoy, not for us to show off, but it's to be able to build the body up, to be able to encourage the body. We go on to see these, uh, the message of wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miraculous powers. We experienced all of those in India, and we can experience those same miraculous powers and those same healings today. Amen. There is one spirit that unifies us all together. And the verse that that uh, pastor started off with in Acts 4.13, that's the way that, that I perceive us. We're just ordinary men. We're not superstars. We're not, we didn't go to theological seminary for 20 years to be able to do whatever it is that people go to school for 20 years do, except waste their time. We were ordinary men that have spent time with Jesus. And the people notice. And this isn't, this isn't about, about us. Yes, we got to experience a trip and go halfway across the world. But we're all just ordinary men that experience the presence of Jesus. If you choose to, you can experience the presence of Jesus. And men will take note that you have been with Jesus. And so we are no longer ordinary men, but we are men filled with the spirit and the power of a living God. Amen. Amen. As we begin to sit around, uh, as Pastor Wade so eloquently put it, it's like we were sitting each night at a round table where Jesus was the head. You think of King Arthur and his knights. That's kind of the way we felt because we came in. Just wanted to pull our armor off because we were tired. We were hot. We were sweaty. We didn't know what the food was going to taste like. It was great. It was glorious. But... Uh, we just came in and we we're just exhausted. And the question was always asked, what do the people need? As we sat around, as we prayed, as we prepared, as you interceded for us, we began to see God working, uh, even, even in the very smallest elements of us just sitting in the room. By the way, we came in. Some of us were delayed because of different maybe bathroom stomach issues. So even as we came into the room and took our seat in the room, and we're, you can imagine us sitting in a hotel room. Uh, the first town we were at outside of Chennai was Madre. From Madre to Kanur to South Mangalam, we sat down every night and said, what do the people need? What is the Spirit leading? What is the Spirit putting on us that the people need? We sat down, we began to pray, we began to talk. And we began to bring words that we had either prepared ahead of time or God was putting on our heart something fresh and something new, a word of encouragement. So as we began to, to gather together, even in the very order that we sat and around the room, we just began to share one by one. And it seemed as if God began to tie each and every message together. We had four or five people that had the same verse that tied in. It's like, okay, God, well, obviously you want to encourage the church. 
Okay, Lord, obviously you want to talk about the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what you want for the people. So as we begin to share what God had been doing in our lives, what God had been revealing to us, it was the same thing that God was revealing, wanted to reveal to the people there. And I want to encourage you, church, as God is doing something in your life, as he's revealing his word, as we interact with his word, as we pray in the Holy Spirit and listen to the Lord from on high, those same things that he's giving you, that he's showing you, are the very same things that the people around you need. The people at work need. The people in this building need. If you ex- experienced healing, someone around you needs healing. If you've experienced perseverance, someone around you needs to know about perseverance. If you've experienced the salvation of God Almighty, someone needs salvation from God Almighty. See, we prayed and we prepared. But those words that we prepared, those words of encouragement, couldn't have happened even without the intercession of the saints here. And we want to say thank you for continuing to intercede. And let us not stop interceding for those that are around this world and even for those that are in here. Because some of us, maybe a fight's over. But there's someone else that, that you need to fight for, that you need to fight with. So be encouraged, saints. Do not stop interceding. Just because this trip is over doesn't mean someone doesn't need your prayers. Doesn't mean someone doesn't need your faith. Doesn't mean someone doesn't need the word of God that's been planted deeply inside of you. Just waiting for those wellsprings of life to come out. So keep interceding, saints, and doing what God has called you to do. I'm going to skip down to verses 12 and 13, still in 1 Corinthians 12. It says that the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek, slave or free, Indian or American. And we're all given the one spirit to drink. So as God has unified us in spirit halfway across the world with the people there, as God has unified us in spirit here in this room today, as God is unifying in spirit those that are listening, God also desires for us to have unity in the body. We have to have, we have to be one in spirit, but we also must be unified in body. See, God gave us, uh, was gracious enough to give us and merciful enough to give us a word of encouragement, a word of wisdom the Tuesday before we left. He told us to guard the unity, to pray for unity, to guard that unity in our team. And anyone that's, that's been on a trip or it's been spent extended time around people, especially family, but around people, you know that, that there's some, uh, some irritations that happen. There's some, some rubbings that happen. When you're 24-7 living with someone, eating together, uh, sleeping, possibly in the same bed, hopefully different beds. But anytime you're doing that, there's some, maybe some burrs that are on you that maybe the Lord just wants to rub off. You know, I reminded the scripture that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There's things that God wants to rub off because he wants to use us as an instrument for his glory. And so as we begin to rub each other, God continue to remind us. And I'm encouraged that he continue to remind you to pray for us to keep that unity uh, within our team, within us. Uh, Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Colossians 3, 4 says, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. It requires effort to keep unity. Not just in this team that was up here, but in this body, in this building, in this church. It requires effort for us to maintain unity. Yes, we are one spirit, 
But we also main, we must maintain that oneness by making an effort to maintain the unity of the spirit. And how do we do that? Colossians 3, 4, we put on love. In Deuteronomy 6, if you turn to Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5, let me know when you're there. Deuteronomy 6. We talk about unity and love. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The Lord is one. It's that ehad. It's that oneness with God. But as God is one, as he himself is one, he desires for us to be one with him and for us to be one with others. When the Pharisees came to Jesus in Matthew 22, they asked him, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Oh, it just said teacher. They didn't say Lord because he wasn't their Lord yet. But he said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Thinking they could, they were testing him. And he answered with this verse. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And he said, the second is like it. Love each other as you love yourself. So as you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, you also love those around you. And that's how we guard the unity that we have in the body of Christ. We put on the love. And as we love the Father, we love each other. So if we're not loving each other, then maybe there's something wrong with our relationship with the Father. Because if we're one with Him, we should be one with each other. And that's we have to constantly do that. And how do you put the love of the Father in effect in your life? You put the needs of others before yourself. You're selfless. You put what you desire, what you want... You put it before someone else. So we have to be one in spirit, and we must guard the unity of the body by loving each other. And I want to end in 1 Corinthians. Flip back to 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 1. It's the next page over. Because as God is revealing things in our lives, he chooses to use those things in our life to minister to others. Second Corinthians, and this is a verse that Elder Baj gave me and my family before we left for India. Not for India, but this is what we were experiencing in our life. Second Corinthians, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. And that was the very message that we got to bring to the country of India. Because they are undergoing suffering. They are undergoing increasing persecution. The uh, country there by 2020 wants everyone to be of Hindu belief. They don't want Christianity. They don't even want Muslims there. They want everyone to be of a Hindu belief. So they are undergoing persecution and suffering. So those of us that have undergone persecution, that have undergone sufferings, probably not anything like they've experienced. But God is encouraging us. He is comforting us so that we can bring that very message to them. But not just to them, to everyone in this room. 
So let me encourage you to share your lives with each other. Just be open. Don't let pride swell up. Don't let fear swell up. Because the God of all comfort who comforted us, he wants to use us to comfort those around us. Amen? Amen. Find it such, such a good word talking about unity. Uh, I remember a night where it was Daniel, Caleb, and I talking in a room, and we're talking about uh, some of the thoughts that we've had during the trip. And I remember sharing some things that, that were literally as if, like, I lost my mind. Like, literally having thoughts uh, against, against my brothers or, or, or thoughts that just weren't right. And I have to realize, no, Lord, you are faithful in everything that you're doing on this trip. I need you to heal my mind. I need you to change my heart from these actions. And see, it was a, a, a miracle how united we were the entire trip. I mean, we kept talking about it like that it was unnatural. It was something supernatural how, how connected we were during this trip. I began to fell in love with brothers that we maybe didn't get to spend a lot of time beforehand, but getting to, to be with these brothers was incredible. It was an honor. It was a blessing. Um, let's open up to Psalm 34, verse 4. was actually going to talk about something completely different until I woke up at 5 a.m. to a demonic dream and being uh, physically attacked, <laughs> um, having pains in my hearts that were just unnatural. I begin to ask, what does the body need today? What do you guys need to hear? And the amazing thing is that all of us have the same thing, talking about unity, talking about the faithfulness of our God. In verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and He, del- he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. See, that's incredible. One thing that was difficult uh, going to India is just realizing I'm having, I'm having heart issues that I've had for years that are getting progressively worse and worse. I'm having high blood pressure. I'm having heart palpitations. I'm having uh, breathing issues since December. And I'm like, Lord, I've been wanting to go, and now that it's time to go, I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit concerned that I won't be able to make it. But then I begin to remember something. I begin to remember how faithful the King of Kings has been to me. I begin to remember how faithful he's been in the past to me, how he's healed me in the past, and how he has continued to heal me. That he's taken care of me even whenever I don't feel right. He's taken care of me even when I feel miserable. I begin to remember the faithfulness of my king. It says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. See, something in this trip that I got is experiences, uh, even starting in the very first service. Walking into service, feeling the presence of God, feeling the unity, feeling the things that I feel here in these services. And getting to pray with these people, I'm realizing that the things that I, the Lord's been dealing with me for the past few months, I'm praying for. I mean, I prayed for more than one person with a heart issue. I prayed for more than one person having blood pressure issues. I prayed for more than one person that, that was having trouble breathing. I mean, it's insane that what the Lord is doing in our lives isn't so that we can feel miserable. It's not so that uh, he can do something in us. It's so that we can pour out our lives to those around us. See, and it's not just for India. It's for here also. What is he doing in your life today that he wants you to do to somebody else? How has he been faithful to you in the past month that he wants you to show to somebody else? This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. See, the amazing thing is it wasn't just us praying. It wasn't just me crying out to the Lord. It wasn't just Gabriel crying out to the Lord. It was all of our brothers here at home crying out to the Lord. See, maybe you, heard, you may have heard about how, uh, about how our tires popped. You may have heard about how our tires popped a second time. But see, the incredible thing about that 
maybe you don't know, is that that was right before we were uh, going up thousand foot cliffs with no rails, no guardrails going way, way too fast. It was absolutely terrifying. I mean, Daniel and I are in the back just like, oh, shura shandarasi, Jesus save us right now, mighty God. The amazing thing is if, if our tires would have popped up, maybe just a couple hours later, it would have turned out very south. It's amazing, guys, that you guys were faithful in your prayers because we desperately needed it. I mean, it was, it was a joke, but it was also serious. Like, we almost died hundreds of times, I'm pretty sure. It was, it was terrifying. Yet because of your faithful prayers, the Lord was around us. He encamped around us and He protected us through every turn. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2. Verse 1. It wasn't just praying for them at that first meeting. There was, there was times where we were praying in a meeting, and I, just, I remember just feeling overwhelming, like fighting back tears, and it just wasn't working. I just weeping because I'm praying for these people, and their, their husbands are, are, are alcoholics, and they're Hindus, and, 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 and their, their wives are, Lord, I, I, want, I want my husband to come to know you. And I'm bombarding the heavens. God, would you give them the perseverance to keep going? Would you give them the perseverance to keep fighting? Would you give them the perseverance to be that godly example to those around them and to their husbands? See, we got to do that the entire trip. What the Lord had been faithful in our lives, whether it was having trouble having children or whether it was sicknesses or whatever, whatever it was, we, we got to pour that out onto others and tell others to stand firm. While you guys were bombarding the heavens for us, we had the opportunity to talk to the most amazing men and women we've ever met. We got to tell them to stand firm no matter what happens. They keep pushing on that people are praying for them and that people love and actually care for them. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 through 7. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That there's some moments that we have to wait on the Lord to do something. We have to wait on the Lord to save us. And there's sometimes we just have to fan into flame the gift He's already given us. You keep on reading and it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a, a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I quickly realized that there was more than just fear of my health issues I would have to face. There was mountainous cliffs. There was uh, animal attacks. There was uh, several other things that we had to fight against. Begin to trust my God more and more as I realize, no, he, He's going to deliver me from all my fears. It's not just this one fear that He's going to deliver me from. He's been faithful in every area of my life. He's been faithful from rescuing me from the pits and bringing me out of a, a wicked lifestyle so that I could pour my life out to others. Yeah. See, I'm reminded of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. You don't have to go there. But it says that we have to stand firm and give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. See, it's not that we just go to India or that we go to Turkey or that we go to all these places. It's that we are fully committed to the work of the Lord wherever we go, whether it's at home, whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's at our work, whether it is in a different country. And we persevere in that. We keep going and we keep fighting for the King of Kings. Come on, somebody say God is faithful. Good job. All right. You're going to have to bear with me. They didn't allow me to have a microphone over there. They thought I'd scare the people. So I don't really know how to use this. But we're going to try. Amen? Amen. You awake? 
I'm getting there. <laughs> All right. So look, I, this trip was incredible. It really was. Uh, each of these men here, I, I'm in awe of the faithfulness God's doing in their life. It, it is, I wish you could have been there. I wish I had the time to tell you about Pastor Wade, JJ, Caleb, Gabe, Andrew, and, G- and Gabriel, but I don't. But I can tell you, these men have encouraged me to the core. Their faithfulness in God is incredible. And that's what I want to talk about. As we've been talking about faithfulness, uh, I want to just follow up with that as well. Uh, the one thing that really impacted me the most on this trip is uh, Raja and Anne in Israel. These men are incredible men of God. They are, if you look on the screen, you'll see them there, Andrew, and Annan's on your right, and then Raja's on his left, uh, yeah, the right and left. Flip it around. It's, it's different over there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the whole earth rotation thing, sorry. Yeah. I'm not a man of eloquent words. Well, on the screen, Annan is on your left. And Raja is on your right. That's right. So I'm from South Louisiana, and I was told my language needs to get better. They do not translate y'all in India. So let's get in the word. Let's get serious. We're going to raise it up. But I want to talk about, I want to talk about faithfulness and what it is, uh, God's faithfulness in you and what he's doing. Uh, but these men on the screen set that example for me. Uh, they travel once a month to 12 to 25 churches uh, rotating. And uh, with no means, they go. With uh, no sleep, they go. Uh, in 105-degree heat, they go. No air conditioning, they go. And it's not by their own strength. I can see that in them. It's by the strength that the Lord gives them. Uh, let's turn to Philippians 2.13. There. Amen. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version just because it's a little bit more detailed and it it hit me in a new way. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. Come on, did y'all hear that? (laughs) He wants to strengthen you. He wants to energize you, not with some coffee, not with some energy drinks, but with his Holy Spirit, he will energize you to do the very work you're called to do. He will give you a longing to fulfill your purpose. There's going to be a longing deep down inside you. I was at the altar this morning, and I'm like, Lord, I want that longing. Lord, give me that longing. Set me on fire so people can see you and me, because there's a difference that's going to rise up, and it's going to be His Spirit in me. So He will give you that longing to put your hand at His plow. It's your hand. It's His plow, but you're going to put your hand to it. So church, I want to encourage you. It is His strength that we can do all things. It is His strength. I don't want to boast in what we can do and boast in how great we are. I want to boast that He has given me the strength to go on. Do you have His strength today? Do you need His strength today? Do you need His faithfulness in your life today? Because He wants to pour it out on you. I want to turn to Zechariah 4.6. 
Stay there when you're there. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It is by his strength, it is by his might, it is by his power. Yes, he's given us the spirit of love and power and sound mind, but it is his very power that we can do things. It is his very power that we can go. We just were obedient to go. But are, you, are we obedient here in your jobs, witnessing to your, your co-workers? Are you obedient to do that? Because I'm telling you right now, you may not see fruit in that yet. But I'm telling you, I got to see fruit in those men's lives. Because they were faithful. And they know they served a faithful God. I can tell you right now, if you're having problems getting pregnant, if you're having problems with your children, I stand here. I have two, two children that I was never supposed to have. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. So I want to encourage you, church. Don't give up. Do not give up. Always persevere because he is faithful to complete the work he started. Your labor will not go in vain. I promise you. I stand here as a witness. I stand here with a testimony. Give yourself fully to the to persevering for the Lord's will. And we must persevere. We must not hold back. But we must know He is faithful to complete the work. Amen. Amen. As I sneak behind this mountain of a man, I'll begin speaking. Everywhere we went, people wanted pictures with John Cena. selfie (laughs) yeah man we got to see the fruit of god's faithfulness we got to see the fruit of faithful lives that lived out year after year after year i don't know if you guys know this but we're time travelers Uh, we got to eat the same lunch at the same day twice We also got to see into the future. Here at this church, we're living a way of life based on God's word. And that's all we have, but it's all we need. And we got to see what generations look like of doing that. Here, this is, this is one generation we get to see. We get to see the next generation kind of coming up behind us, but we get to see a couple hundred years of what that looks like. We get to see a father that has a son, that has a grandson. Annan says, I want to have a hundred churches by the time I die. And his son says, then I'll take 200. We've got to have that same fire in us that we're willing to do the work today, even when it seems fruitless, because we know that something's going to come from it. We know that generations are going to come up behind us. In Jeremiah 50, verse 6, it says, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains. From mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. There are billions of lost sheep. 
There are billions in India of lost sheep. And it looks like a mountain that we can't climb. It looks like an unsurmountable task. How? How? We got to sit down with pastors. I got to sit down with Pastor Stephen Murga. And, and this man has been faithful. He, just a few years ago, I believe he was about to commit suicide, right? Yeah, years ago. But he remained faithful. And you get to see the fruit of his ministry. We got to go house to house and walk and see one life after another after another that he's bringing life to. And you get to see the light in their eyes and you think, man, this is worth it. Is the life that you're living worth it? Is it worth it? I'm not saying yes or no. Generations will tell you if it's worth it. Years of hard work will tell you that it's worth it. But if we live based on the scripture, if we live based on God's word, it translates to any nation, to any tongue, a way of life that God has honored and it will bear fruit because he's faithful. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. Verse 12. Jesus is speaking. He says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? Aren't you thankful that someone left their comfort to find you? Left left their day. Maybe they met you in the store. Maybe they met you at work. And they stopped what they were doing and they turned to you. And you were the one. You were that one sheep. Now you're 99. Now you get to go and find the one. Can I tell you the one is worth it? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. We talk about one life, one family, one nation. (laughs) But look, we have one life and we have one family and we have one nation and we're working on it here. But what happens? Eventually we send them off to other nations and they go find one more, one more life. And they reach out to one more family and it never ends. The work isn't finished. The work isn't finished. Your work isn't finished. And we're going to keep on being faithful because God was faithful to us to find us in our death and in our dirtiness. And he raised us up to make us worth something. And he made you worthy of the call. So live like it. Let's be diligent in well-doing. Let's be diligent in our faithfulness. So uh, we were tasked with the mission to go to India to strengthen, equip, and encourage the body of Christ there. And that mission was accomplished. 
Pastor Wade asked me to share with you folks what impacted me the most of this trip. I have been to many nations across the world, in the southern, northern, central continent here of the Americas, Europe, but I've never been to Asia. Never been to Asia. And, and when I went to India these last two weeks with my brothers and I walked through the streets of southern India, I felt very much like the Apostle Paul when he was in Athens because you could see temples and idols in every corner. You couldn't walk more than a block or two without seeing a shrine or a temple. And it was just so disturbing to see that. India has about 1.3 billion people and they're lost. They're lost. To see the idolatry there and, and, and to, to, to sense the spiritual powers that were dark, um, it, really, uh, it, really, it really got to me that there's a lot of work at hand. And we were in the country. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know how to pronounce these villages. I don't, I don't know exactly where we were. I was lost of time. But we were in one particular village. And as we were walking down the road, I saw a woman in a field under a tree with a rock that she put a cloth over it with some candles. And I asked Annan, what is she doing? Oh, she's worshiping the tree. Why is she worshiping the tree? Because the tree gives her shade. And she has nowhere to sleep. So she, she worships the tree to thank the tree as a god because it gives her shade. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man. I'm reminded of the book of Romans where it says that the people worship the creation rather than the creator. And it was like, no, it's not right. We're walking through another town. I can't remember the name again. And I see a woman with a baby about six years old by the hand. And this child, not a baby, a six-year-old boy, naked, completely naked with, with jewelry on him. But he was naked. And I could tell something wasn't right. Like this child was like some kind of temple child prostitute or something. And just to see the, the, what, what true darkness and how it, how it keeps people so separated from God and they don't know the truth. They don't know the truth and that we have the answer. I want to share with you a scripture from the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 9, which is, which is something that the Lord put in my heart. A day, the, the same day that our tires blew out. When we're going up to the mountains of Kenur. And it's in uh, chapter 9 of Isaiah, verse 2. It says this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. As we were there, I wanted to make sure, and we were, it was so awesome, we were. Not just because of our appearance was different, but we were literally shining the light. When we were, and I, and I just want to make sure that here in the United States, we're shining our light as well. Amen. We are called to be the light of the world. He's illuminated us. We have to make sure that we're not that, that candle, and we're putting it under, under a basket. We're called to be on top. I was singing that song. That we were singing earlier, to be the light of the world, put a fire in me that every eye would see. Let's not be ashamed of this. Let's, light, let's let our light shine in our deeds, but in our speech as well. So we're, uh, we're in the, this cafe, uh, waiting for Wade and, and Anna and, and, and these brothers to go get the, the car fixed. So um, what better thing to do than to worship, right? We bust out with the guitar, Brother JJ begins to worship. And it's just, a, the, you know, the presence of God just starts surrounding us. People start listening and looking, and then the, the owner of the store right next door was a radio repair shop. So apparently, you know, and that got you. There are idols everywhere. 
So he starts blasting his radio because he doesn't like the worship that he's hearing on our end. So we start raising up our voice, and he starts raising up the voice louder. And then we get louder. And it, it was like a battle going back and forth until we won. We won, and then we got kicked out of the cafe. <laughs> so what do we do? We did what Jesus had to do. Shake off the dust of your feet. We shaked off the dust and we moved on. But the point that I'm getting at is we got to let our light shine wherever we're at. No matter where we're at. That, so one of the experiences was to see such a huge sea of humanity that was living in darkness and that we have the answers. So we were told one day that we were going to go up to some other mountain. And uh, they asked me to preach because we were supposed to have an open-air meeting. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to share and who the crowd was going to be. So I'm, I'm thinking, how do I present Christ to them? Do I present them like, a, like, a, like, like, like the judge that he is? Like the bride of Christ that we're his bride? He's the bridegroom? I'm trying to figure out w- what I'm supposed to say. And the Lord quickens me that day about who and how I'm supposed to present the Lord to these people. So I started asking Anna, hey Anna, let me ask you a question. The people here in India, do they frown upon adultery? You know, do they frown upon adultery? Mm, not really. There's a God for that. What, like there's an app for that? Yeah, there's a God for that. So if you want to commit adultery, just find the God that will approve it, and they'll worship whatever God approves your sin. So I'm like, oh, okay, so then, mm, hmm. So then it hit me when I read that scripture about God being our father. I go, Anna, out of all the hundreds and thousands of gods in India, is there anyone that manifests himself like a father? He goes, Gabriel, no, not really. There's not one. There's not one God that wants to be their father? No. Oh, all right, Lord, I think this might be you. And that was the day that we went to the orphanage. That was the day that we went to the orphanage. It, yeah, it was really something special. It was a challenge because, you know, there's a reason I'm not behind those with those kids over there. You know? <laughs> It was very challenging. They were getting up. They were moving around. I wanted to grab one by the neck. And I go, you sit here and you listen. But I can't do that, right? So uh, anyways, but they got the message. And it came across. And I believe they were blessed. And we were all blessed. Another experience that was super powerful to me was at the conclusion of our trip. The conclusion of our trip, we, we went to this mountain. It's called the Mount of the Apostle Thomas, St. Thomas's Mount. And history has it that that was the mountain where Thomas was martyred to death. Many years ago when I came to the Lord, there's a scripture that the Lord showed me as I was struggling in my walk with God. And it was from John chapter 29, excuse me, John chapter 20, verse 29. And it's the story of doubting Thomas, that when the apostles told him, hey, we saw Jesus. He's resurrected. He's real. He goes, no, 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 no. Unless I put my finger in his hand and my hand in his side, I will never believe. And Jesus shows up a week later. He shows up a week later. He's freaking out. And he goes, at that point, he got on his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. He recognized the divinity of who Christ was, God in the flesh. And Jesus says, you believe because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe." And I'm like, that's how we have to be, guys. We have to believe and be faithful. In the midst of what we can't see, that God will be faithful to complete the work that he started in us. And that was the scripture that he used. So that mountain was very significant for me. About five days into our trip, the Lord gave me a burden. 
for the chauffeur and the driver of our van. This man was a Hindu. His name is Magesh. And uh, the van that we were driving, the van that we were driving had a, the title of the van was Rashima or Reshima. I don't know, but it was one of those Indian gods. Uh, Anyhow, you'd walk in the van sometimes and you'd smell the smoke of incense. I don't know what he was doing in there, but the Lord gave me a burden for him. For this brother and asking God, Lord, give me an opportunity during this trip that I could speak to him one-on-one, that I could speak to your words and truly bring life. That's him, by the way, the one in the white shirt. And it wasn't until the last day of our trip, the last day that he was leaning against, he was leaning against a, a, a little fence there, and I approached him, and the Lord opened up an opportunity for me to share Christ with him. And I, if, I'm not, if I recall correctly, I asked him, how do you know Anna? Where do you know him from? And he told me, well, my brother, my brother goes to one of the churches that we visited on our first trip. Your brother? What, is your brother a Christian? He goes, yes. Oh, your brother's a Christian. Okay, so that was the open door. And for the next 15 minutes, I start sharing with him the gospel of our king. And he had never heard it the way I presented it. You can see in his eyes, you can see in his eyes that when you talk to him, it, like certain, like certain uh, light bulbs were going off. But so here's, what, here's the awesome part. And here's the awesome part. And I'll pause right here. And I want you to go to the following scripture. Co- come with me please to John chapter 12. Because something happened here. John chapter 12, verse 32. Actually, I want to start in verse 31. As I tell my story, I want to make sure I I insert this here. It says in verse 31, Now this, now is the time for judgment on this world. And now the prince of the world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And this was the opportunity that I made sure to lift up Jesus. And as I lifted up Jesus, not only was he hearing, but there were ears perking up all around us. Ears were perking up all around us as they heard the gospel. We're in a place where they have uh, not, you know, a shrine, a Catholic shrine. Death everywhere, idol worship everywhere. And I'm telling him again, you see that Jesus on the cross? He's not there. He's resurrected. His, his, his death, his grave is empty. The cross is empty because he's not there. But he wants to be in here. He wants to be in you. And guys, as we were, as, as I raised my voice and ears perked up, and we concluded our conversation, and the seed of the gospel was firmly planted in him, there were two men that approached us at the end. And he said, brother, no, he didn't say brother. He goes, where are you folks from? I go, we're from Texas. We're from the United States. He goes, how about you? Where are you from? Oh, we're from the north part of India. What's your name? My name is Andrew. Yours? Pastor Solomon. Uh, we, we were very encouraged to hear you share the gospel with, 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 with this Hindu. And uh, lo and behold, they wanted us to pray for them. So we met two brothers in India that uh, were highly encouraged when they, when they heard the word of the Lord coming out of the mouth of just faithful servants. We prayed for them, and I asked them as we were leaving the mountain, I go, brother, how long have you been in ministry? He goes, 20 plus years. I go, what is your ministry like? What do you do? Well, every week we go out to the streets of our part of, I forgot the name of his town. Again, I can't pronounce it. And we do street evangelism, and we hand out tracts, and we open-air preach, and we've been doing it faithfully for 20 years. 
We receive persecution, but we wouldn't have it any other way. I go, amen, brother. I'm encouraged to have met you. Thank you for affirming what's in my heart. So, folks, I want to encourage you today. Be faithful to what God has done in you and lift him up. See, here's the way I see it. There are those that have been predestined to the adoption of sons. They've already been predestined. God's already called them. I don't even know how I even... I mean, we can't take credit for our salvation, can we? I can't take any credit. I wasn't looking for God when he got his hand on me. I was on my way to hell, and I was quite happy until one day he just knocked me out of my horse, and the veil came off. So there's people that are called to belong to him, that he's already, that he's already predestined to belong to his family, and he's just looking for faithful people that will share this message so that he can draw him to himself because nobody can come to the Father unless he draws him, right? So let's be faithful to lift him up, and he will take care of the rest of the work. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Let's just make sure that we're faithful here. Whether you're at the park with your kids playing in the playground, and you got a Muslim woman, let's be faithful to do that. Whether it's you're at work with your engineer friends, whatever you're doing, let's just be faithful to testify about our Christ. Amen? Amen. How are we doing, my family? Amen. So I have a question. How do we raise up Jesus in the right way? How do we set the world on fire for our king? Well, it starts with us being on fire first. I'd like to put up the picture of Pastor Stephen again. Well, Pastor Stephen... This man is a man on fire. This man has spent 20 years in in a mountainous area alone, burning for the Lord. And what that means is he's got a church now. He's got a church that's equally on fire for Jesus. And it's because of the humility that comes from their lives. (laughs) I'd like to put up the picture of the woman You see, because this is the kind of worship that they have. When we, were, when we were there with them, it was me and my dad and Annan. We were there, and they were crying out for the salvation of their fathers, their salvation of their mothers, of their brothers and of their sisters, of their sons and daughters. They were crying out for healings that, that could not be healed any other way. They were in a desperate need for a Savior. And the presence of the Lord fell more than uh, more heavily than I've ever been in any other place. Everyone was on their knees. And when I was looking at her, I, I was reminded of a scripture. Let's go to Matthew 15, verse 24. Amen. It says, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. When Jesus an- then Jesus answered the woman, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. 
Can I tell you that your prayers were invaluable on this trip? Almost everywhere that we went, people were healed. (laughs) That woman that we saw was crying out to be healed and for members of her congregation to be healed. We prayed for for many people. (laughs) It was so special. Prayed for many people because they had the mentality of, Lord, I am a dog without you. Jesus, I am a dog without you. And so that's how they searched after Jesus. And this pricked my heart. How many times do I personally in a day get apathetic and not have this mentality that without Jesus, I am nothing. Without Jesus, I am a dead dog that should not be allowed to do anything for him. Let's go to Numbers 21. Without Jesus, I am a dead dog, and you are a dead dog spiritually. Numbers 21, verse 4, says, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. See, when we get, when we get comfortable, when we get apathetic, when we stop seeking the presence of the Lord and get living waters every day, we're spiritually in a desert. And this is our heart in the desert. Our heart in the desert is to grumble against the Lord and is to say, you're not doing anything good. I want my own way. I want to go back to what's comfortable. Even though the Lord was giving them food and water. Psalm 78 says that the manna was angel bread. It was bread from heaven. How, how many times when we are not seeking the Lord out of humility, that how many times do we start grumbling? Do we start getting worried? Do we start going against where God's bringing us? In verse 6, it says, When the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, they bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned. We spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed to the people. This is where our comfortable, apathetic hearts can get us. We're not hungering after the Lord, saying, Lord, not only are we dead dogs without you, but Lord, we're snake-bitten dead dogs without you. We are sinful dead dogs without you, and we have no hope unless you come through. Jesus comes through every time when we seek him like this. This is how we can do something that's long-lasting in the kingdom. Anand and Raja have this down very well. We are dead, snake-bitten dogs without Jesus Christ. Verse 8, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. We see in John 3 that this, this is a representation of Jesus. That just as he was risen up, so was the snake so that everyone looked on, that looked on it could have eternal life and could have the presence of the Lord and could go and do with what their callings require of them to go and take the promised land. 
But it doesn't happen without that desperate cry for Jesus every day, praying constantly, reading the word constantly throughout the day. I'd like to put up the picture of Pastor John. You see, Pastor John is an 87-year-old pastor. There he is right there. He's been ministering for 60 years and saved longer than that. And he gave us five things. We asked him, Pastor, we need you to pour into us. And he gave us five things. He said, one, humility is a must. You have to be humble and not just in name, but you have to be so humble as to not do anything else before you get the presence of the Lord. He said, reading your word every day is essential. We cannot go a day without having our sword because it is our lifeline. He said, expect great things from the Lord. He said he loves to fulfill promises and he loves to give them out to his children, to his sons. Then then he said, pray like your life depends on it. And that was something that that hit me. And this whole trip, the Lord has been teaching me to seek him like our lives depend on it. And not just our lives, but like the church that Mr. Stephen pastors, the lives of our brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. See, we're not just crying out for ourselves. We're crying out for others. We're crying out for the lost. We have a responsibility to come to the Lord with humility and act like sons. I'd like to go to John 14, verse 12. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. My friends, I want to encourage you that the way of life we have here, it works over there. When we lay hands on people there, they get healed just like they do here. We can cast out demons and do all of that. But it it starts with crying out to the Lord. Lord, we're a dead dog that's snake bitten. We have no help except for you. You are our only hope, Father. And what this does, my friends, is this allows us and empowers us to go and do his work. To go, because it's an expectation that that we do greater things than Jesus. And this starts with doing the things that Jesus did. Jesus cried out like this. Every day he cried out. He didn't get anything else. If he didn't get anything else done in the day, he made sure that he was connected with the Father. My friends, as I hand it off, have a desperate cry every day because without him we are snake-bitten, dead dogs destined to die. Amen. How desperate are you today? We get desperate when the situations, we have some healings that we're going to pray for and believe for. Boy, it's easy to get desperate when it's about you, isn't it? It's easy to get desperate when you're praying for a baby or a child. 
It's easy to get desperate when all of the circumstances in the world are fighting against you. This is for our good. 2 Corinthians 1 tells us that the reason that we go through the persecution and trials that we do, that we feel like we're going to die in the situations that we're in, is because that we are not supposed to rely upon ourselves. If you're still relying on yourself today, your strength is going to end. What you heard from each of these men, what JJ talked to you about was the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. The faithfulness of the Spirit of God to produce unity. What you heard from Andrew was that the faithfulness of our great king to work in us and what he's doing in us is what the people around us need. We could have tried to orchestrate today maybe a lot of different ways, but what I wanted these men to do was share what the Lord was dealing with them about and trust our great and faithful king. What Daniel came and talked to you about was that our God is faithful to strengthen us when we cry out to him, to work in us. To will and to cause us to act according to his will. What you heard from Caleb was the faithfulness of God that produces fruit. The one life, the one family, the one nation that is a circle, not a line. You don't get to the one nation and say, hey, we've accomplished it all. Because in every nation that you go to, there's that one life that you have to reach. There's that one family that you must build that they may go to the nations as well. Gabriel talked about the faithfulness of our God that when we lift him up, that all people will be drawn to him. You know, it's, it's something uh, we've heard somewhere over 3 million to 30 million gods in, in India. Maybe more. I, I don't think that's actually very different than our country at all. At all. Our gods aren't wooden or golden statues. They're just usually glowing screens. They're usually bank accounts or what we own. We just don't put them on quite the pedestal, on an actual pedestal that they, that they have there in India. It's no different. You heard the woman worshiping a tree? That's exactly what people here do. We want what we want. For my own son, I heard a God who is faithful to hear our desperate cries. Come on, our God is faithful here today. Let's begin to stir up the Spirit within our hearts. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet with me?